It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Our Locked On Washington football team, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, everybody, we welcome you to a crossover Thursday edition of the Locked On Washington football team podcast. I'm your host, Chris Russell. We are going to be joined momentarily by my colleague, Patricia Trainer, who covers the New York Giants for not only the Locked On Giants podcast, but also Giant Country on SI.com. And Patricia has, of course, been a regular guest of ours since we started doing this thing over two years ago. So with that being said, we are brought to you by our friends at Pepsi, that's right. Pepsi is your jam. This football season will be different. Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. I'll be at FedEx Field this Sunday. You will be wherever you are. Maybe some of you will be at FedEx. I know they have Pepsi products there, so you can have an ice cold Pepsi or Diet Pepsi there or in your own living room or wherever you choose to watch the game. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers because Pepsi is made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from our friends at Pepsi. The official word is that Jaron Christian did not practice and Dontrell Inman also did not practice. Now, we will step aside to have Patricia Trainer neck. All right, guys, it is Chris Russell here for our friends at Built Go. From the makers of Built Bar, it's Built Go. When you're lacking in energy, when you hit that wall, when you need that normal sugary, disgusting energy drink, here's a suggestion for you. Grab a Built Go. Easy to take, one-and-a-half-ounce packages, whether you put it in your briefcase, your backpack, your golf bag, whatever it might be, your gym workout bag, Wherever you are, even if you're at home, you don't even have to put it in a bag. It's awesome. It's like five-hour energy without that same crash feeling later. Three delicious flavors, peanut butter honey, chocolate coconut, and chocolate mint. You will not be sad. It's got all the great stuff that you're looking for, B6, B12, all the B3 vitamins, a little kick of caffeine. It's easy on your stomach, collagen protein. Trust me, you will not you will not regret your choice. Visit BuiltGo.com and use the promo code LOCKED and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. And let's go. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason... 
Look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, welcome back, Giant fans, and a special welcome to the Washington football team fans who are tuning in. This is the Locked On Podcast Crossover Edition, Giants at Washington football team. This Sunday down at FedEx Field and Chris Russell, host of Locked On Washington Football, joins us now on the podcast and he's going to drop some knowledge on the latest on the Washington football team. Chris, good to hear from you as always. Hey, Patricia, how are you? It seems like we just talked, to, uh, what, a couple of weeks ago, right? And a lot of yeah. this changed and a lot is the same between these yeah. two teams. <laughs> Basically, Basically, the NFC East still stinks, and these two teams still are struggling, but in different ways, so to speak. But, Chris, get us caught up on on the Washington football team. Obviously, since the last time we spoke, some injuries, just some 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 new developments. So just get us caught up, if you would, on, on the major points. Yeah, so, I mean, a thumbnail sketch. I mean, obviously, they should have uh, probably won that game against the Giants at MetLife Stadium. Uh, you know, the controversial decision at the end. I, I, you know, we didn't get a chance to talk after the game, Patricia, but I had no problem with it. But that turns out to be a loss and a fifth loss in a row. And, you know, it's all gloom and doom around here and as usual. And people are questioning Ron's sanity and how much he's got on his plate. And, you know, is he doing the wrong thing dealing with cancer and still coaching the team and essentially being the general manager for the first time and all that stuff? And then they come out and they spank the Dallas Cowboys uh, with some injuries. Um, you know, nothing major, major, but I mean, um, you know, certainly they they lost their starting left tackle for that game before the game. Uh, so they had to do it w- with that. They had some injuries at wide receiver. They were thin uh, on the back end of the rotation there. And yet, you know, partially because the Cowboys stink and partially because Washington was able to run the football effectively, they were able to do what they weren't able to do against the Giants. And that's not only sustain offense, which they were able to do against the Giants, but they were they didn't turn the ball over, which they did, of course, do uh, at MetLife Stadium. So it was a much better performance from week to week for Kyle Allen and, again, the offense in general. And here they are after a bye, and they're reasonably healthy, uh, and they might be getting some help back at wide receiver in the form of Steven Sims. And away we go. So, I mean, they're two and five and they're right. As crazy as that sounds, they're in the thick of things. Unbelievable, right? Uh, I would say unbelievable is a good way. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you're being kind by describing it as unbelievable. But yeah, I mean, largely unbelievable. And, you know, I I mean, I mean, obviously, 
you know, as we discussed a couple of weeks ago, I think the Giants were better than their record then. I still think they're better than their record then. I think the Washington football team is probably one game better than their record. And, you know, you could say, well, they should have beaten the Giants there uh, or at least forced overtime because the Giants weren't doing anything offensively or they should have beaten Cleveland earlier in the year or whatever. I mean, so, you know, maybe these teams aren't as bad ultimately as their records say they are. But as Bill Parcells once used to say, and many coaches have said it uh, since, you are what your record says you are. Indeed, the great Bill Parcells. And that's a quote I use a lot lately. But still, you know, when you look at uh, the teams here involved, the Giants one in seven, they haven't been playing like a one in 17. And then you have Washington, which, you know, I'm watching granted from afar. You would know them better than I would, but they just look like they, they haven't quite founded an identity yet under Ron Rivera. Is that a fair assessment in your opinion? Um, well, you know, here, here's the thing. I, I, Yes and no. I, I think their defense has maybe found that identity. They're number one against the pass in terms of yardage allowed, you know, per game. They can get after the quarterback and put a lot of pressure on an offensive line. But I would say they're inconsistent in that regard. They had eight sacks to open up the year against the Eagles, six against the Cowboys in their last game. But the five games in between that, Patricia, they had six total. So, you know, I mean, oh, I'm sorry, eight total, eight total in the five games in between that. So, I mean, they're a little helter-skelter, if you will, on defense. I think the offense is finding its identity because of Kyle Allen. He's much better than Dwayne Haskins, staying on the field, converting third downs. Overall, I would say their identity is one that is they are a building team. They're a young team. They're going to make some mistakes. They're not going to be pretty all the time, but they are going to fight you tooth and nail for the most part. And I think, I think they've turned the corner mentally and emotionally around here. I don't know if they've turned it from a talent standpoint and from an execution standpoint, but mentally and physically, you can definitely see the culture change. And therefore, if that's part of your identity, which I think it is, then yeah, I think they're starting to form, you know, the print of that identity. Indeed. And same thing with the Giants who, you know, again, despite the record, they're starting to form that identity. Now, Chris, let me ask you, you know, I always found it kind of interesting when teams have to play each other a second time within less than a month. Realistically speaking, what is what have they been saying down in Washington regarding how they're going to approach this game? I mean, I, obviously, they're not going to do wholesale changes, but what to what sense do you have as far as what they might change and do differently than they did the first time? Well, you know, one area that I think you might see more of a change from a from an X's and O's standpoint is more of an emphasis on staying with the run. If you remember back in that game three weeks ago, they started running the football well. They even converted on a fourth and one at around midfield. Uh, and that was with Peyton Barber, who's more like their physical hammer back. Last week, and to, or oh, I guess a week and a half ago, Antonio Gibson had a career day, 129 yards. Uh, yeah, I think yeah, it was 129 yards, and that was, uh, and that was more yardage, Patricia, than they had had combined running as a team, Giants, and the game before that 
against the Los Angeles Rams at FedEx Field in a monsoon of rain. So, you know, you had two games there and, and, and Antonio Gibson had more yards in, in, in again, one game. Uh, and I think it was even by halftime, actually, um, because they really pulled the reins off, if you will, in the second half than they had had in those two games combined leading up, including that giant game. So I would say this. They learned uh, something that I preach all the time and a very valuable lesson that when you don't have Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees, and even when you have those guys, you still need to run the ball. But when you don't have that, you have no choice but to run the ball and to stay patient with it. And I think that will be maybe a little bit more of the identity change, a little less gunslinger, a little less, hey, like we're, we're going to have Kyle Allen scramble all over the place and make plays with his legs and extend the pocket and extend plays. And we're going to try and establish the run and maybe be a little more patient with it to try and open up the deeper and, and, and intermediate to deep passing game, which again, they hit three or four times on against the Cowboys. Why? Because they established the run. They were successful with it. Then you get teams to, you know, jump that and to think that they can crease you one way or the other. And then you go over the top. So I would say that's how they've changed from a identity or from an execution or from a philosophy standpoint in just the last couple of weeks. Now, last time I spoke with you, I remember asking you about your biggest concern, and you had mentioned the defensive secondary, specifically safety. Old friend Landon Collins, unfortunately, lost for the season. What's Besides that, what's changed in that defensive secondary? Do you feel better about that that unit than you did the first time around? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I didn't think they were playing very well going into that giant game, but since that giant game and and maybe it's playing kind of, you know, two inconsistent, somewhat meager offenses, I don't know. I mean, the Giants and the Cowboys can both hurt you. Um you know, but the Cowboys quarterbacking situation obviously helps this and Daniel Jones, you know, being a little inconsistent helps this as well. Uh, you know, I mentioned at the beginning of this that they're only allowing 185 passing yards per game, but early in the year, it was big play after big play after big play that was hurting them. But yet nine out of 10 plays, they were doing a pretty good job. Well, now they've taken away a lot of those big plays, Patricia. They've really managed to eliminate that. So you mentioned Landon Collins, the former giant safety who of course played in that game at the, at MetLife a couple of weeks ago and got suckered in on that Daniel Jones, 49 yard run. He blows out his Achilles the next week, last week against Dallas, having his best game as a member of the Washington franchise, quite honestly. So that was a shame because he had, he had really struggled. And now they have a rookie cam curl, a seventh round pick starting at strong safety, who was there like big nickel kind of versatile switchblade uh, safety defensive back that they were using in different packages um, for, for much of his rookie year. So they're going to have him at strong safety replacing Collins, and they're going to have DeShazer Everett, who's really a natural strong safety and who's a special teams ace, stay at free safety. And I thought they were going to kind of flip the two, but they decided to keep those two the way they were at the end of that Dallas game uh, after Collins got hurt. And what that does is, you know, I mean, obviously that's an area of question, I think, Um, even though they both played reasonably well, if not pretty well. 
overall, but it does limit what they can do in certain packages against tight ends and all that stuff. So maybe, maybe Evan Ingram, who started off that game a couple of weeks ago with a big reception, maybe they can crease them a little bit more there uh, because there's some instability in the middle of their secondary. Darby and Kendall Fuller have been pretty good. Darby gave up a bunch of big plays early, but outside of that, he's been pretty much you know, a blanket on anybody that he's gone against. And Kendall Fuller has been awesome, including that interception um, at MetLife Stadium. He's been great. So, um, you know, overall, it's improved. Uh, I would say if, if they don't allow the big play, they're really good. And then finally, Chris, I know last time when I asked you for your gut feeling, you, you weren't feeling really warm and fuzzy about Washington's chances. But after they just barely came, came this close to beating the Giants, how are you feeling this time, you know, with the home field now and, and the improvements that you spoke of? How, how much closer do you think they are to maybe winning one against the Giants? Um, you know, I, I mean, here's the thing, Patricia. I, I mean, I... I think they should have probably won that game on the road at MetLife Stadium. So it would be disingenuous for me to say, no, no, I believe they're going to lose this game. Can they lose? Of course they can. Should they win? Yes. I think it'll tell us a lot about what they are or what they aren't and more what they aren't if they lose than what they are if they win, if that makes sense. I see a tight game either way it's supposed to be nice weather so weather shouldn't be a factor um you know on sunday at fedex field there's going to be about 3500 fans there which i know that's new for the giants this year certainly it's 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 somewhat new for washington uh they had one game where there was a crowd in cleveland uh, but that's it so uh, that will add a little element to it and quite honestly I look at this as an improving team with the arrow pointing up. I, I wouldn't say it's always going up, but for the most part, it's going up on both sides of the football. Uh, and as long as they don't kill themselves on special teams, which has been a little spotty, and as long as they limit the turnovers, yeah, I think Washington probably wins a tight one in this game. All right, good stuff. He is Chris Russell, host of the Lockdown Washington Football team podcast i am patricia trainer we're going to take a break right now when we come back we're going to flip everything over and i'm going to drop some knowledge on chris about the giants so stay with us folks if you're looking for the most comprehensive nfl draft coverage this offseason look no further than the locked on nfl scouting podcast Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, this is the Locked On Giants and Locked On Washington football team crossover Thursday edition on the Locked On Podcast Network. Joining us once again is my pal, Patricia Trano, who covers the New York Giants, not only on the Locked On Giants podcast, but also Giant Country on SI.com and everywhere in between. All right, Patricia, we're at it. I know it's a short week for you. Ironically, this is the third time uh, already in nine weeks of the season that Washington is hosting a team coming off of a Monday night football game, which is kind of a, a weird scheduling quirk. Um, 
you know, and I guess we'll start there. The Giants put it all on the line. They had a 14-3 lead against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Eventually, it got whittled away. They gave it back. They got it back. Then they gave it away. Then they had a chance at the end. I know it was a controversial ending, but there were some things on that final drive on a couple of fourth downs, plus the go at, or the, the the touchdown there at the end to, to Golden Tate. We'll talk about him in a sec. Did you like what you saw out of the Giants, despite the turnovers, despite the way it ended, and despite the fact that it was indeed a loss? Ooh, I like what I saw of the defense. That I will say. I think that unit, I mean, they, they've been a surprise. I got to be honest with you. I did not think that defense would be that creative and play that well this quickly. I thought it would be, it would take a while. And, you know, Patrick Graham, the defensive coordinator, he's just, he's shown some real genius with some of his schemes. I mean, he'll put a look at there on the field and you'll think, you know, he'll put the same look like three times in a row, but it's not the same look because it is so well disguised. Like you might have on one look, a down lineman will, rush and then on the next look he'll be in the same spot but he'll draw back in the coverage so they really do a lot of cool things that actually believe it or not confuse Tom Brady I mean you figure Tom Brady has seen it all he was confused a few times and you could see that where they got him off his mark and he just you know held the ball maybe a little longer than normal so really a good job by the defense now on offense I thought Jason Garrett called probably his best game of the year um, the execution obviously wasn't there. I was a little disturbed with the deep ball not being there. I was a little disturbed with the turnovers, which continued to happen. Um, the running game seemed to perk up a little bit. I was delighted with the offensive line because, you know, the Giants were missing Will Hernandez, who's on the COVID-19 list. So there are reasons to be optimistic. But with that said, the Giants' offense, I think, still has a little bit longer ways to go than the defense. A uh, couple of questions here about that offense. Joe Judge on Monday night after the game said, look, Daniel Jones is our quarterback. Did you at any point on Monday, uh, maybe before that final drive, think this could be the Colt McCoy show? Uh, no. Number, number one. And, and number two, how do you go about fixing Daniel Jones? Because from afar and watching the game on TV Monday night, being there at MetLife a couple of weeks ago, what I see in Daniel Jones is you know a great athletic quarterback, right, who can rip and pull. And, and we all know what happened in Philadelphia, but we also saw a 50-yard run against the Reds, uh, against Washington. So we know he's athletic. We know he can throw some dimes. We've seen that over and over again, but He's also inconsistent and at times very Carson Wentz-like where he'll make a bird brain play. How do you go about fixing that if he's going to be your quarterback moving forward, which I assume he is? Well, my suggestion was to put the equivalent of a swear jar into the facility (laughs) where every time he commits a turnover, he's got to throw $1,000 in there, which the money should go towards buying those defensive players a gift or something Ah. because they end up being on the field a heck of a lot longer thanks to those turnovers. That was my suggestion. All right, that works. Yeah, but I don't think the Giants were too crazy about that suggestion. But anyway, <laughs> to go to your first question, no, I I never thought it would be the Colt McCoy show. Look, Daniel Jones is, what, eight games now into this new system. He's still, you know, considered a young quarterback. He's still learning. This is a very different system than what he ran last year. And last year, if you remember, he didn't really start to look comfortable until, until the end of the year anyway. So you have to find out, in my opinion, what 
you have in this guy, you know, especially considering the Giants are on their way to maybe having another top top five, possibly a top three draft pick next year, which would put them in a great position to get a quarterback if they decide that Daniel is not their guy. So you have to find out what what you have with him. And as far as, you know, how do you fix it? I'm not sure what the answer is. I mean, Daniel, you know, the turnovers kind of remind me of a child who keeps spilling their food and you tell them, don't do that. Don't do that. And the kid says, okay, I won't. And then they go back and they do it again. (laughs) And you just want to pull your hair out because it's like, how many times can you tell Daniel Jones, look, learn to throw the ball away, live another day. And he knows it. He understands that. But I think right now I question whether he, he is maybe doubting what he's seeing, not trusting what he's seeing. And if maybe that's what's driving him to make some of these, you know, foolish decisions that we've been seeing. Interesting because, you know, I mean, usually when we associate, uh, well, he doesn't know what he's seeing. He's clueless or deer in the headlights or whatever. You don't see a quarterback respond the way he did on that final drive. Do you think that final drive was, maybe what he needs to kind of kickstart his season? Or do you think the fact that the two-point conversion didn't work out and he was a little bit late on the read and the throw and all that, you know, kind of takes away some of that momentum and maybe the progress won't carry over to a place, quite honestly, and I know it's a different defense and a different coaching staff and whatever, but he had his most success as a pro in one game at FedEx Field last December. Yeah, he did. I think that was the only time... Even though he he lost the handle on a ball, it didn't actually turn over and go to the other team. That's the only game that I can remember that happening. Um, So I I just think with Daniel, you know, I watch him on the Zoom calls. He, He gets on, you know, twice a week, once on a Wednesday and once obviously after the game. Really nice kid. I really see a nice kid. But the way he comes across to me is a kid that's almost... I don't want to say passive, but just I, sometimes I wonder if he's really sure of himself. Now, I don't know if that's just an act and he's he's a different way with his teammates. I, I can't quite put my finger on it, but I just tr- in trying to reconcile what I see on the Zoom calls versus what I see in games. I just wonder if maybe the confidence and he won't admit to this, obviously, but you know, maybe is his confidence a little shaken. You know, he doesn't have the best offensive line right now. That unit is still coming together. He doesn't have Saquon Barkley. He doesn't have top flight receivers. So that's all kind of working against him. So I wonder if maybe that's a factor as well to where he's thinking, okay, I've got, you know, I've got to load this team on my shoulders and I got to do like what Eli did. You know, and if that's what he's trying to do, he's got to stop trying to be like Eli and he's got to be like Daniel and just, you know, play Daniel's game, not try to be Eli too. And, you know, just he he did it at Duke. You know, he was his own man at Duke. And you saw many times when he would kind of pick up the performance of those around him. That seems to have gotten lost. And I, 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 again, it could be any number of reasons. It's funny. I asked Joe Judge this question once and he said something about not playing psychologist. 
I'll play psychologist based on yeah. what I see. And I suspect that Daniel just feels like he's trying, you know, th- that he has to do more than what he right. should. And it's interesting because Bruce Arians even said that after the Monday night game that he felt that Daniel Jones was trying to do too much. Hmm. I mean, that I, I don't think that's that absurd to think that that's probably the case and what it is. Um, and when you're trying to do too much, you tend to make mistakes or you, you tend to be, you know, uh, if you tend to be too fine, you know, maybe you hesitate and you miss some, you know, I mean, there's all sorts of different psychology, as you pointed out. Um, an interesting situation popped up after the game on Monday night that I had not heard. And then, uh, before we started recording this, you brought it up. So I'll let you expand on it. What's the deal? Uh, as we know it, as we record this on Wednesday night with Golden Tate, what's going on there? Yeah, so Golden Tate on Monday night expressed some frustration with the number of times he was getting the ball. There were a few times where he would get himself open and the ball wouldn't come his way and he would throw up his arms and wave, you know, kind of reminded me of Okay, and I'm going to get killed for saying this, but kind of reminded me of Odell back in the day mm-hmm. with Eli Manning. Mm-hmm. And um, so anyway, at the end of the – towards the end of the game, Odell uh, – Odell. Uh, Golden yeah. goes and <laughs> – <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, Golden goes and scores a, 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 a touchdown, and he goes up to the camera, and he screams, throw me the ball. Meanwhile, at home, his wife – is sitting on social media on her verified Instagram account. And she's going off on the giants about, you know, how they don't get him the ball, how he's getting open, how they're wasting his talent, et cetera, et cetera. Just a whole big spiel and a whole big, you know, four page story. So on Sunday night, Joe judge was asked about that. And you could tell you kind of caught him off guard because he, he, he was like, uh, you know, he didn't come right out and say, oh, I know nothing about it, but he kind of glossed over it. We asked him about it on Monday, and at the time, the players were off. I'm sorry, on Tuesday. I'm getting my days mixed up. My bad. Um, we asked him about it on Tuesday, and the players were off, so he hadn't had a chance, I guess, at that point to talk to Golden Tate. He talked to him Wednesday when we're recording this show. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not clear if Golden Tate came in. And then talk to coach or if they talked on the phone, my guess is he came in because judge is the type of guy who likes to do everything face to face whenever possible. Golden Tate was then sent home. Now, you know, it was surprising because Joe judge admitted he normally doesn't tell us, you know, when there's a problem with a player, what he does or what the action is, but he came right out and he said, look, Golden Tate isn't going to be with us today when we go through our walkthrough but he will be back in the building tomorrow when we resume practice and we expect to have him the rest of the week. Now I took that to mean a, you know, when he said we expect to have him, I just wonder if maybe some, the wheels are in motion. I mean, I don't know what kind of conversation they had, but I would think that if golden Tate came in and they had a conversation and judge told him to go home, I'm just reading into this. Now I could be way wrong that maybe it just didn't go the way they thought it would. And right. Just and, and they to... claimed Dante Pettis, who was a former second round pick in San Francisco. Well, the Giants, yeah, the Giants say they that had nothing to do with anything, but, you know, they're not going to come right out and say, right. oh, you know, that's why we did it. But I thought the same thing, to be honest with you. So, you know, you look at that and you say to yourself, hmm, huh, 
is something brewing because I do know they tried to trade Golden Tate. They were willing to take even a seventh round pick for him if they could get it. Mm. No takers. And Golden Tate, his snap count has, they have declined the last several weeks. Um, his past targets are definitely down. But you know what? His yards after the catch, which was his bread and butter, that has gone down as well. So hmm. basically what you have now is you have a disgruntled player or what appears to be a disgruntled player. And I wonder if he's going to make it to the end of the season. If I had to put money down, I would say he probably doesn't make it to the end of the season. Yeah, very, very interesting. And and maybe he doesn't even make it to Sunday. Uh, we'll have to see about that. But very good insight there. All right, before we run too long here, I got to ask and flip the script a little bit on this defense. So this defense, I knew their defensive line was going going to be was going to be pretty good um then you know you, you had all sorts of injuries uh, Lorenzo Carter goes on IR right they traded Marcus Golden uh, am I remembering that correct yes okay uh but you still have Leonard Williams you still have um uh you, you know you still have Lawrence Dexter Lawrence up front um you still have Dalvin Tomlinson uh so to me I, I still see that as a strength, and you talked about Patrick Graham and how he confused Tom Brady a little bit, but also they've improved this secondary, right? I mean, James Bradbury, I know he got beat the other night, but he's been pretty darn good. Peppers and Logan Ryan have kind of stabilized, it seems like, the safety situation. Is, is this defense, I know you said it surprised you, but would you call it? a good defense or would you say it's getting by based on scheme and maybe surprise more than being a good defense? I'd say it's a combination. I mean, they're playing better than I thought they would. You know, I I had heard that Patrick Graham ran a complex system and I knew that they had a lot of young players. Now, as you mentioned, they brought in some veterans, Logan Ryan, who has stabilized things uh, before his injury. Uh, Ryan Lewis stabilized um, the cornerback position, James Bradbury, obviously. Um, but, you know, the scheme also has been so diverse and you don't and what's beautiful about this and you've got to give credit to the players on this is you don't see a lot of communication breakdowns i remember last year every every week you saw at least two or three major breakdowns especially in the defensive secondary and you were left wondering what the heck is going on here Mm -hmm. you're not seeing that now you're seeing guys attacking and best of all you're seeing guys that i think are, are, are being asked to do things that are more to their strengths to where graham's approach is that i'm not going to shove a square peg into a round hole i'm going to adjust my scheme so that these guys can excel. And that's what he's done. And that's, guess what? That's what a coach is supposed to do. And that's unfortunately what, you know, James Betcher really didn't do a good job of last year, which is why, you know, he was replaced. So kudos to Patrick Graham for kind of, you know, getting it and, and, you know, staying true to his word to make sure that he put those guys in the best possible position to succeed. All right. Some good stuff there. One last thing before we run out of time. Um, you know, it, I think if this game comes down to special teams, uh, you know, a place kicking situation, a uh, Tressway is terrific as a punter for Washington, but Dustin Hopkins has really struggled. And, uh, you know, like Graham Gano is one of my favorite players that I've ever covered in the NFL. Uh, and we've, you know, maintained, you know, a good relationship. And I, I, I think it's interesting because usually bad teams have bad special teams. 
Uh, but in this one particular case, I kind of give the advantage uh, to the Giants if it comes down to a close, you know, one score situation and they've got to make a big kick. I would trust Graham Gano over what Washington has. So maybe, you know, maybe that helps them out. All right. So before we're, we're, we're out of here, uh, Patricia, do you, I, I, I'm going to go with a, a Washington win, a tight one. I think it'll be, you know, in the high teens, maybe very low twenties. Uh, what do you see as a prediction for this Sunday's game? I'm going to go 24-17 Giants. Ooh, not impressed by the old football team, are you? Well, listen, I mean, you know, <laughs> the Giants haven't owned very many teams lately, but Washington is one they have. So Exactly. I mean, Washington gets owned by a lot of teams, but I understand. All right, so Patricia's going by a touchdown win for Big Blue. I'm going to go with a tight win for the Washington football team. All right, Patricia, always fun to catch up with you, especially twice in, what, three weeks. Uh, I guess, unfortunately, we won't do this for a little while again because they don't play three times in a year unless we meet in the playoffs how about that oh well hey listen it happened (laughs) once before where they met three times in one year so you never know that's true but at one and seven and two and five (laughs) hey they they can play for the toilet bowl i guess i would say the odds are pretty good that we're not going to be doing this again (laughs) <laughs> in this season, but it's always good to catch up with you. Uh, and, uh, and again, people can find your work as uh, giant country on si.com. Uh, of course, the locked on giants podcast and how can they follow you on social media? Yeah, I'm on at Patricia underscore trainer, T R A I N A. There you go. I'm at WrestleMania 621. Thanks everybody for joining us here on a crossover Thursday, locked on giants and locked on Washington football team. Adios. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.